the unsurpassed penetrating and perfect truth is seldom met with, even in a hundred thousand myriad kalpas. Now we can see and hear it. We can remember and accept it. I vow to make the Buddha's truth one with myself. Homage to the Buddha. Homage to the Dharma. Homage to the Sangha. Well, we've just had our lovely ceremony for Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva, the Bodhisattva of compassion, all around us in all these different forms, all these forms of Avalokiteshvara, including Rav Master Jiu, our founder, my, my master, and Ajalanatha, the fierce one over there. He's a manifestation of compassion because sometimes compassion comes with a bit of a thump, not always what we'd like to hear. The Bodhisattva who hears the cries of the world, and she or he or it can be seen as a being, some people do, some people have visions of Avalokiteshvara, or the working of compassion in our lives and in our world. I think many of us relate more easily to that, seeing how compassion comes into our own lives and how we can recognize it in whatever form will help. That's why we have so many different forms of Avalokiteshvara. To recognize compassion in our own lives, the blessings of our lives, the people who love us, the people we love, you know, the people we know, that we have enough to eat and enough clothes to wear, a roof over our heads, not everybody has these things as we know, or the things we make use of every day. And when we may not have all these things, if our roof over our head is burned up in a fire or flooded or something happens or there's an earthquake, um, the gratitude we feel when they may come our way again and we never take them for granted again. All the things that we have that we may take for granted, maybe we can look at them anew and say, well, I'm really fortunate that I have these things. The kindness of other people, both the people we know and love and people we don't know at all, complete strangers who just give us a kind word when they're having a hard day. It really makes a difference as we know the incredible compassion of people who save others from death or disaster. We see that all the time, people rescuing others, complete strangers from a burning building or something. And then the compassion of the difficulties we face, the problems we have to deal with, that help us to learn and to grow. We learn from the difficulties. If everything was nice all the time, you wouldn't have to learn anything. But because we have suffering, because we have difficulty, we have to learn ways of dealing with things and ways of doing things better when we find ourselves banging our head against the wall, you know, look for the door. The people we find difficult to live with, you know, who can teach us patience and kindness, compassion. It's everywhere we look when we look, to look with the eye to see compassion. And it's said that wisdom and compassion are the two pillars of Mahayana Buddhism, wisdom and compassion. You can't have one without the other. And this picture of Avakalateshvara up on the altar, she has a thousand hands to help and a thousand eyes to see where the help is needed. You need both. You can't just blindly going around trying to help people and not knowing what you're doing. It doesn't help very much. And, if, and, and you need to be able to use your hands to help. 
to see with wisdom is inevitably to see with compassion, to understand better. You know, when you really know how another person feels or what they're like or what they're going through, you can have compassion for them. If you don't have any compassion, you're not really, there's, not, there's no wisdom there. You've got to have both, you know. To see that this person I find really annoying has their own struggles, their own things to deal with. They may have things I have no idea about that they're trying to deal with and they're doing the best they can. It's not about me and how I want people to behave. It's just we're all in it together. And to see that, you know. And conversely, when you see with real compassion, you're seeing with wisdom because you're seeing more than just the suffering. If you just feel all the suffering in the world, but we don't see, have any perspective of wisdom, we can just drown in it and feel kind of hopeless, miserable, and we can get angry because we don't see cause and effect or there's more to things than meets the eye. We don't know why everything happens. We've seen these devastating earthquakes in Turkey and Syria, just horrible, huge numbers of people dying, you know, losing their home, just awful. The tragedy of the whole thing and the seeming hopelessness of sifting through those huge mounds of rubble looking for survivors. And yet people are doing just that. They're still working tirelessly to try to help people, find people, and they're still finding survivors, even after all these days. Infants, you know, small children. It's amazing. And that compassionate response, that faithful and compassionate response, there may be somebody in here, let's give it a go, even when they're really exhausted. But just in finding somebody and the joy of saving the life of a complete stranger. How compassionate that can be. Just ordinary people have this immense capacity for compassion and helping others. Happens all the time, you know, people helping other people. And we have that too. We all have that. And then you get the backlash of anger and blame, probably justified because buildings weren't built properly, people didn't do what they might have done, or nobody expected such huge earthquakes. But this is often what seems to happen. You have this great outpouring of compassion and help. And then there's anger. You know, why did this happen? Who can we blame? It happened after 9-11 as well. First it was this you know, shock and grief and people really trying to help. And then people looking for somebody to blame. Well, you know, there's always somebody you can blame for anything. It's said that anger is compassion that's got stuck. So they are related. If you feel this overwhelming grief about something, you can get angry. Why did this happen? Because we don't see clearly. We don't have that wisdom. You know? We don't know how to deal with the grief and suffering, especially on a huge scale. We feel helpless and we get mad. And in our own lives it can be the same. You know, when we've had trauma or grief or loss, we can get upset and you know, angry. Why is this happening to me? You know, why does this person I love have to die? Well, everybody dies. Things do happen, you know. And this is where we need wisdom and acceptance. Not just the compassion, but wisdom as well. They go together. Acceptance. Things happen. Painful things happen. We can't prevent it. And that's just the way it is. We can help. We can do our best. We can try to forestall things. We can build our buildings better. And yet, things happen. They have happened. And 
really, when it comes down to it, there's nobody to blame when you think about it. How we respond to things is up to us. Inevitably, we grieve when we lose somebody or something terrible happens to us. It's normal and it's human. But to see more clearly with wisdom helps us to practice compassion. You've got to to have both, to see more clearly. There are reasons why bad things happen. There are causes for everything. No one can prevent a huge earthquake from happening. It's just the earth doing what the earth does. And the extent of the damage could be lessened if people built buildings better, you know. Human greed and folly and ignorance. We're all like that. We all have our folly and greed and ignorance and blindnesses. We're not so different, you know. True compassion doesn't judge. We can learn from the mistakes of other people, whether it's on a large scale or on our own little lives. We can learn. Ah, that's not a good thing to do. Look what happened to that person. Or for our own mistakes. I did something really dumb or I keep seeming to make the same mistake again. Maybe I could change and do it differently, you know. We don't have to get angry and righteous about things that happen. And we don't have to condone harmful and selfish actions either. We don't have to judge at all, actually. We don't have to judge. We can think, I have to have an opinion about this. But we don't. We can just try to see with an eye of compassion that accepts everything. In real compassion, there's no room for judgment. It just doesn't apply, you know. True compassion means acceptance, accepting things that happen, accepting the mistakes of others and of ourselves, accepting other people's shortcomings, our own shortcomings, to allow everything in, as it were, to embrace everything that happens, whether we like it or not. This has happened. Now what do we do? How do we help? You know, Not just getting angry and blaming, but how can we help? What can we do? Accepting other people as they are is not always easy, as we know. We want to fix another person often. We like to make them better, easier to live with, more like us, or more like the way we'd like them to be. We might try to persuade them or argue with them or try to control them, and it never works. You can't fix another person. You know, you might be able to help people a little bit. Sometimes you can give people a little advice. But people aren't always the way we'd like them to be. Rarely are the way we'd really like them to be. We cannot fix another person, no matter how hard we try. But maybe we can learn to accept them as they are. You know, if we're their parent, well, we need to teach them. But we can't fix them, and we can't keep them completely safe. We have to just let them go out into the world and live their life. And be grateful that they're in our life, you know. Even someone who's hard to get along with can help us to learn patience and kindness. We can be grateful for that. Not always easy, but we can. It might be harder to be that person who's hard to get along with than to be us trying to live with them, if you think about it. Even if someone is really, really difficult, it may, they may not be a completely happy person. They may have all kinds of suffering, but we may not know. Why is this person so difficult? Then we find there's some huge suffering in their life. And um, we think, oh, okay, maybe I'll give them a break. Most of us have attributes 
or habits that other people may not like. None of us is saintly. None of us is perfect. No matter how hard we try, we might as well not keep trying to be perfect. If we can try to let go of our judgments and our criticisms of other people and trust that they're actually doing the best they can with what they've got, and we don't know what that's like. We don't know what it's like to be them. No matter who they are, no matter how close they are, we can never know what it's like to be that person. So maybe we can give them a bit of a break and find compassion, you know. And having compassion for another person isn't looking down on them. It's knowing that they're actually not so different from us. We're feeling with them, not looking down on them. Knowing that we all have our shortcomings. And we all have that capacity for compassion and wisdom within us, whether we know it or not, or whether we see it or not. Everybody has wisdom and compassion. Because it's not actually ours, it comes through us. And sometimes compassion arises, like those people cleaning up rubble in huge piles, or saving somebody from a burning car or something. It just arises spontaneously, they just do it. And don't even think about it. And people say, oh, what a hero you are. I just did what I needed to do. There's nothing heroic about it. Because, and it is. But they know that that was just something that came up for this. Spontaneously arose to do. Accepting ourselves. Harder. It can be hard as the hardest thing to find compassion for ourselves. You can think kindly of another person, but for me, you know, I've always shortcomings if people knew what I was really like, you know. To let go of that self-judgment and endless criticism of ourselves, that trying to be perfect or live up to some ideal that either we have set for ourselves or we've been raised with, you know, and inevitably falling short. None of us is going to make it perfect, you know, the perfect person. And if we were, we wouldn't be easy to live with. Many of us, I think, most of us, have a bit of that feeling that we're not good enough or you're not smart enough, not kind enough, not wise enough, not beautiful enough, not anything enough or not something enough. Not many of us are completely satisfied with the way we are, think we need no improvement. The reason we're all here probably is because we think I could use a little improvement here. My life is not working as well as it might be. Even if we've been practicing for many, many years, we still know there's room for improvement. And the more we've been doing it, the, longer, the more we know that, there's still things we work on. And if we can do it without a lot of criticism and judgment, but with kindness, you know, it really, really helps. When you first come to the Dharma, you might feel there's something missing, we want to find a way to deal with our suffering, our anger, our despair, our fear, whatever it might be. We want to realize the truth of things for ourselves. We want to change. We don't want to just continue the way we've always been. We want to change. This is a good way to do it. And this is the working of compassion, that we actually are here and practicing the Dharma. This is the practice of compassion. Just that, to help ourselves to live in a better way to sit still, to meditate, learning to meditate and practicing it on a regular basis. As those of us who've been doing it for many years or have just been just started, it's life-changing, life-changing to have a practice of meditation that helps us 
to sit still amidst the conditions of our lives. When we're sitting in, in formal meditation, to let the thoughts and feelings and memories and opinions and views and all that, let them just come and go, in the front door and out the back. Not to get pulled off by them, not to get snagged by them. Really hard to do. We're always getting snagged by them, some of us. It's not so easy. It takes a lot of practice. But if we keep on working at it, that's compassion. Doing our best to be aware and still and see things as they come up. And then let them come and let them go. And not try to hold on to them, not try to block them off, not judge them. Just let them come through. But not to take them too desperately seriously, you know. And to do this is practicing compassion for ourselves and for other beings because we become nicer, nicer when we meditate. Then in our, our daily life, to do our best, to be still in the midst of conditions. When you're really busy and everything's happening at once, you know what that's like. Or somebody says something we don't like or we don't agree with them or they brought us up the wrong way or they're upset, or we're upset, to pause a moment before we say something or do something. Just take a breath before we say something you might regret. That little breath is compassion. Just a, a little tiny breath, a little moment, is a moment of compassion. Because we're stopping and just saying, ah, oh, what do I need to do here? Do I have to say this thing? Maybe not. Maybe I'll restrain myself. Maybe I won't do it. The wonderful thing of restraint, you know. People don't notice it. They don't know we're not saying the thing. Excuse me. But um, <laughs> they don't notice it. They're um, holding back something. But then we're not creating suffering. We're not creating karma. We're not creating a problem. We're just taking a little breath and waiting before we speak or do something. Even if we're upset or indignant or feeling righteously angry, um, but anger is never really righteous, it's never really justified. It just creates suffering no matter what may be happening. It's understandable, we may feel it, but we don't have to give voice to it. Keeping to the precepts, but show us the way to stop creating suffering for ourselves and for other beings, to stop creating karma, not harming other beings or ourselves, not getting angry, not speaking against other people, not taking things we shouldn't take, and all those things. All of the precepts are ways of practicing restraint, kindness, and not creating harm. It's the, act, it's the conduct of Buddhas, as they say. When we break the precepts, we inevitably suffer. When we keep to the precepts, we suffer a lot less. Things happen, you know, but um, we're not creating a lot more. We might feel that we're not very compassionate. We don't have a compassionate heart. Other people can be compassionate. Look at that lovely, compassionate person over there. It's like they were born with compassion wrapped around them, you know. Well, actually, we work at it, you know. We can practice compassion. We can practice kindness. If we think, well, compassion is a bit, it's a bit big. It's like a big word. But kindness, anyone can be kind. Any of us can be kind. We don't have to be smart to be kind. We don't have to feel kind to be kind. We can practice kindness. Taking that little breath before we say something we might regret. 
in all different ways, whether big ways or little ways, we can practice kindness and we can make a difference to ourselves and to other beings. Just a little kind word to a complete stranger or a smile to somebody. It can make a difference when somebody's having a hard day. You know what that's like. You know, you're having a dismal day and somebody just says something kind to you. And think, oh, that's nice, thank you. And you feel a little better. You know. We don't have to go around looking for people to be kind to or to smile at. We're a bit funny. But when it comes our way and it's natural, just practice kindness. You know, Somebody needs a hand with something. Let's give it. Sometimes people hold back because they don't, you know, you're afraid of putting yourself out there. This person might think I'm weird if I help them with this thing. But actually, usually people are grateful when you're just offer kindness if you're not insisting you know greeting a homeless person with respect and kindness and not just looking the other way and pretending we don't see them it's so hard to have no home you know and it's so hard to be ignored by the world because people feel bad that actually this is what it is we feel bad about homeless people there's compassion there but it's got stuck so we don't we pretend we don't see them. We don't want to look. We don't want to know. But actually, we can open our heart to people who have less than we do. Practice kindness and respect, because we could be in that position. It could be us, you know. And the more we practice kindness, the more we are cultivating that heart of compassion. We're growing that heart of compassion, allowing it to strengthen We can offer merit to other beings, whether we know them or not. We can offer merit to somebody who's ill or having a hard time whom we know. Or just because we love them and wish them well, they may be fine, but we just offer merit. People sometimes think they don't understand about offering merit. It seems like a funny woo-woo thing, but actually it really works. People who have like, been ill, seriously ill, and other people are offering merit for them, they feel it. They feel it. Sometimes they get better, quicker. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they die. But they can feel that offering of merit and kindness that people are wishing for them. And when there's a huge tragedy, such as these earthquakes we've been talking about, we may be able to help in practical ways, but we can always offer merit for them, for those beings. To think of the people involved and to sincerely wish them well, to deeply wish them well, to wish for the best, the people who are affected, the people who are trying to help, you know, whether it's earthquakes or fire or flood or you know, people ill, people dying, there's so many forms of suffering in our world. And we can offer merit. And that's a way of not drowning in suffering, of not sort of thinking, oh God, everything's so awful, there's nothing we can do. We can do something. We can offer merit. We can offer help where we can, we can practice kindness and we can offer merit. Just wishing well for the person, not necessarily saying, may they have this, this and this, but just wishing them well. If they're dying, may they be at peace. You know, It certainly helps us and, um, it's, and as I said, it certainly helps other beings as well. We're not different from other beings. We're all really part of one being, big being. We're all part of Buddha nature. We're not separate little beings. And this is why we all have that heart of compassion. We all have wisdom. We all have access to wisdom. 
not our own personal little private wisdom, but universal wisdom, universal compassion. That is why people rescue others from burning buildings and piles of rubble. That's why people do things beyond what you would imagine for another person. Why we take care of sick people, you know? Why we do greet a homeless person? Because we know that they're just like us. And if we think we're separate, we're suffering. Because thinking we're separate from everybody else, or we're not good enough, or they're not good enough, or that somehow we're not like them, it's a suffering. But to know that we all actually very much alike, but all really part of this one being, and to trust that, whether we know it for ourselves or not, to act in that way, to live as though we knew that we're all part of one being. This is compassion, and it's wisdom, because it's the same thing. To trust that and to cultivate that heart of compassion, to do our very best to sit still, to keep to the precepts, to let go of our judgment and criticism of others and of ourselves, to practice acceptance, to practice kindness to others, kindness to ourselves also. And these are some of the ways that we can nourish that heart of compassion. And let's have a look at Teshwara's teaching for us today. <laughs> 